feel like we should have known this already Were we even taught this at all? everyone and welcome to Will This Be On The Test. I'm Maddie. I'm Austin. And we are here today to talk about some things you should have learned in school but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly. And sometimes we're your obnoxious married friends who are just going to tell you all about our vacation. We got back from New York last night and... I'll be posting some pictures on our Instagram and probably doing little pieces of educational stuff either on Instagram or maybe I'll try to pretend I'm young and do the TikToks <laughs> because we saw some very cool historical things. That's one thing I like about New York is everywhere you go, something has happened. There are plaques on the most random buildings. And of course, sometimes you'll see uh, living history when you uh, walk by the Olsen twins Yes, we walked by at least one Olsen twin, probably both based on the news report that happened later. I'm walking past and I recognize this girl and I'm thinking, do I know her? Because I know a lot of people in New York. And then I noticed the cheekbones. So I'm like, it's an Olsen. It's an Olsen. At which point she accidentally, because it's just a small area, blew some cigarette smoke in Austin's face. He didn't comment. He wasn't annoyed because he's used to it in mm -hmm. New York. But yeah, I was like, Austin. About a block away. Austin, we, I think we just walked past an Olsen twin. And I hadn't noticed, but I did notice the bodyguard that was standing nearby, not the Olsen twin. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Mary-Kate. And I know, like, I've I've lived in big cities. I've seen Mila Kunis was kind of probably the coolest one I've ever seen in person. I don't tend to freak out. I didn't freak out about an Olsen twin. I just wanted to make sure Austin knew that the person who had just breathed secondhand smoke on him. And no shade to Mary-Kate because, you know... It's been rough being an Olsen twin. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's like, it's a, it's a sidewalk. We were walking by. What yeah. was she going to do? But we saw, we saw an Olsen twin and we saw Hades Town, which was, was, Town was so, so good. good. And we shot, we, um, the tech in that guys, seriously, if you are able to go to New York or if it tours to you, the tech in it alone is worth seeing, not to mention how good the show is. I mean, there's a woman who stands in a half backbend for a solid 45 seconds and it's just and wasn't she singing while she did it? And dancing. <laughs> she also, I don't think she moved that much. She was moving a little bit. When we had understudies in ours as some main roles, and as I said last week, understudies are not to be missed. You don't get mad about an understudy because they were phenomenal. In fact, Backbend Lady was one of them. Yes. Uh, but we did get to see the guy who's been playing uh, Hermes since oh, the beginning. Oh, so cool. And I believe it was the same guy who's been playing uh, Orpheus since the beginning. I'm not positive. I don't know. So we saw that. We saw Drunk Shakespeare, which if you just like silliness and you're comfortable with a reasonable amount of audience participation, not except for one poor guy, not we're dragging you on stage, more like we're going to run up and make, and have a conversation with you kind of audience participation. Drunk Shakespeare is fun. It's uh, they put on a Shakespeare play in 90 minutes and one of the actors has four shots at the beginning and then keeps drinking throughout the show. So that was uh, our Macbeth. <laughs> he was great. Yeah. And during that, Austin got killed. I got invited to uh, meet somebody in the MoMA later and have some fun. So <laughs> <laughs> and weirdly, directly across from us were people who live within five miles of us who we have never seen in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> this happens every time I go somewhere. We were in D.C. and I ran into one of my students from here. It's like uh, other cool stuff. We saw We saw the building for the famous or infamous Triangle Shirtwaist Fire. Yep, which Austin I know has talked about a little bit. We saw Anderson Cooper's house. We did not see Anderson Cooper, but apparently no. his house is haunted. And we saw a place where Aaron Burr lived for a little while, which is basically all of New York. Yep. And yeah, I mean, I, we could go on and on. Oh, but the thing I want to I want to talk about is a little bit is Roosevelt Island, because people kind of don't realize it's there. It's not on most people's itineraries for a New York trip, and it should be. It's a place where they kept a lot of smallpox patients back when that was going on. They also kept, I believe, some uh, typhoid patients there. It has this beautiful old smallpox hospital that is in ruins, but they're working on restoring it. And they also have a former lunatic hospital that is now apartments. So if you ever want to live in what is definitely haunted and a former lunatic hospital and you have $3,000 a month to spend on a studio apartment, check out Roosevelt Island. It's 100% worth it. Oh, yeah, it was... A very cool part of New York. It's like 
so quiet there. It was yeah, it's bizarre. Like, it's like a little island in the middle of New York. You're surrounded yeah, by New York. Yeah, it's in the uh, but... East River, like right under the uh, Queensboro Bridge. Okay. Yeah. I... I said some words. I did some geography on you. <laughs> so, yeah, we went to... Uh, the Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn, which is actually something I might talk about on the Tickety Talks if I can't get a whole episode out of it. And yeah, we, we could go on and on. We'll not, we will not bore you for too long. But were there any last thoughts about New York, my uh, non-city boy? It was it was very interesting going from like you know quarantine and no people to very su- very suddenly all of the people. It was it was definitely like overwhelming for a bit, but you no, know, I adapted. For me, it felt more like I felt way more at home than I do at home. I I know how to city. I do not know how to suburbs. I am bad at living in the suburbs. And so poor Austin was like having to trail behind me because I was like, go, go, go. Not because I was trying to like get away from him or get places quickly, just because that's how you move. Yeah. And that's... I mean, I, I kept up except when I was trying to like maneuver around crowds with the luggage mm-hmm. and you were like beating forward like a marathon runner yeah that's probably how i got my foot hurt (laughs) but it was it was wonderful and i highly recommend going um to all of our new york friends if you listen we didn't contact you not because we don't love you and not because we didn't want to see you but because for me at least i was very anxious the trip wasn't gonna happen because of covid and i also didn't want you to feel like you needed to rearrange your lives for us so next time we'll hit you though oh yeah sleep on your couch and everything it'll be great because it'll be much more expensive next time. Oh, yes. So I get to go first this week, don't I? Yes. Okay. Well, I'm going to just like do a complete 180 because mine has nothing at all to do with travel or New York or anything we just talked about. I'm going to talk about aliens, kind of. Are you talking about immigrant aliens or ones from outer space? Ones from outer space. Austin Demi Lovato said we can't call them that. Well, you know what? Uh... I've never listened to Demi Lovato, and I don't think I'll start now. <laughs> so I'm actually specifically. So you know that um, meme with the ancient alien guy. He's got like the hair, and he's like, "I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens." Mm-hmm. And holy shit, I looked it up. Uh, that meme is 11 years old. Yes. And the guy uh, Giorgio A. Zuculus tells us that he, you know, he's it's not aliens, but it's aliens. And this entire show that made it onto the History Channel for mm-hmm. some reason where just a bunch of air quotes experts tell us about hey how things like the Sphinx or the Maui, the uh, giant heads on Easter Island, or any of the pyramids built in the various parts of the world, all of these things could not have been made by people, but that aliens either built them or taught us how to build them. And their proof ranges from like, you know, they have alien, look, there's an alien in their art, or there's no way they could have known how to do this, or this craftsmanship is too precise to have been done with hand tools, and all of this stuff, and they're just saying it's impossible, or they couldn't have moved these big rocks. How did they do that? Well, as you might have guessed by my tone, all of these claims are bullshit. Just complete bullshit. Okay, though, did you come across the thing about the watch? No, I did not come across the thing about the watch. So the watch is not so much aliens as time travel. But they dug up, I think it was a watch, like a, I don't remember, you probably don't remember this, but in the late 90s, one of the fashions for girls was to wear watch rings. Like they were rings that had watches on them. And they found one down in something they were excavating that had not been excavated in hundreds of years. And it was deep enough down that somebody would have had to get like machinery to get it all the way down there, like 12, 15, 20 feet down. Explain that. I mean, I'm not... Okay, this is a classic type of gotcha moment where I'm this not isn't something I've gotcha. researched. No, I can't explain that one. I haven't looked it up, but there is an explanation for it because there the archaeolo- always is. Even the archaeologists are like, "Yeah, we don't, we don't know what to do with this one." So, but it won't surprise you to learn that the theory that you know these are aliens is actually it's a pretty new thing. Like in the last hundred years, and when people are thinking you know aliens from space did archaeology. See, my whole my whole thing is I don't think it's aliens. I think it's time travelers. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you might be thinking, how did we get to the point where we have these theories? Well, this answer might actually surprise you because the answer to how we got here boils down to two things, fan fiction and colonial racism. See, again, not aliens, time travelers. Yeah, I'll start with the fan fiction. So, yeah, space aliens are like in the grand scheme of popular culture, pretty new. Mm -hmm. 
Like, we do have some ancient myths about a man who was in a boat and got shot up to the moon by a powerful geyser. And he learned all about the war between the moon man and the men who live on the surface of the sun. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Or we have a 10th century Japanese myth about a princess from the moon who a bamboo cutter found in a glowing bamboo stalk. Hmm. But these are not like the science fiction stories we have when we think about space aliens like we have today. And really, a lot of that started with uh, War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. He has kind of formed our modern idea of what spacemen are. I used to teach uh, the War of the Worlds radio program back when I did a sound program, sound design. And of course, you know, H.G. Wells, it was his story about War of the Worlds was so popular, it actually spawned a bunch of imitators and unofficial sequels to the War of the Worlds, like the 1947 book Edison's Conquest of Mars, written by Garrett P. Severus. Now, this book um, includes such things as a 40-foot-tall slave woman taken from Mercury who is scantily clad, Mm -hmm. a bunch of hideously deformed Martian men who are about nine feet tall, and their gorgeous nine-foot-tall Martian women, and all of the other various slave women they have taken. The entire theme of this book could be boiled down to giant, scantily clad women. I think... He might have had a thing. That's a theme from, or a a set of characters from Futurama, too. Yes, it is. And anyway, in this book, this is, uh, it has the first known use of a spacesuit, a suit to protect you from outer space. Uh, It's got some ruins on Mars. And they also propose that the Sphinx and the pyramids were actually built by the Martians on one of their previous attempts to conquer Earth. Uh, and for those of you who want to know, um, Edison invents a superior electric death ray that they use to stop the aliens and an international coalition of spaceships with, uh, you know, basically every world leader from the time shows up in this book. It's very, very Ready Player One, but from way back when. Same type of thing. It's like, oh, look, they mentioned a famous person from my country. I don't know anything about Ready Player One. Uh, Ready Player One is, hey, what if we wrote a book, but instead of having a plot or character development, we just had references to 80s pop culture. Kind of like our podcast. Hey, hey, we very rarely reference 80s pop culture. It's mostly 90s pop culture. (laughs) Like the awesome watch rings that need to come back. Yes. Oh, and also this, uh, I think my personal fan theory about this fan fiction is that this is what inspired Elon Musk, and he's based his entire life on this. But we should probably tell him that the giant, beautiful Martian women were completely made up. So I hopefully, yeah, I think Elon Musk based everything on this book. So this is your fan of fan fiction fiction? Yeah, my fan fiction fan fiction. Like the low-cal calzone zone? Yeah, we're uh, I'm like four layers deep on fan fiction here, so buckle up. So yeah, now that we've gotten past that, this is where like the first time the idea that oh yeah these ancient structures were built by aliens came up but the idea that the people who like lived in these areas like in egypt or mesoamerica or in the pacific islands the idea that they actually didn't build this stuff is pretty old Mm -hmm. we just started attributing it to aliens uh in the 1960s and before i get into this too deep i just need to stress that if you believe in aliens or think that aliens have been here and intervened in human development I don't think you are racist, but this idea has been used by white supremacist and white nationalist groups to kind of push the, these, uh, you know, these people are inferior ideas. Yeah, I think there's a big difference between thinking aliens have come to Earth and helped with stuff and thinking brown people, black people could not have done this. Um, and part of it, I think, comes down to America and a lot of the rest of the white world is not old enough <laughs> for us to have, you know, we have recorded history more because we're like five years old in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Um, for what it's worth, I believe in aliens. Whether or not they've been here is a question mark for me. I think we built our own shit. Yeah. Unless it's time travelers. Yeah. There's. Because <laughs> um, if we look at this and these theories about how aliens must have built these things, You'll notice that they don't, they only ever talk about how they only could have built these large things and these wonders outside of Europe. You'll never hear that aliens built the Parthenon or the Colosseum or the aqueducts. 
just the Mesoamerican pyramids, the e- the Easter Island heads, you know, things that were built that weren't built by white people. Where is Easter Island? Uh, it's in the Pacific. It's in the Pacific Ocean. The Pacific Ocean. Specifically, it's in the Pacific. Don't they have whole bodies underneath the? Like... Yeah, they do. That's so cool. It's it's very cool. Uh, the one kind of exception to this is Stonehenge in England, aka the whitest country in the world. Yeah, Stonehenge is kind of baffling because didn't the stones come from super far away? They came from Wales, but that's like we have like stuff on our countertops that came from way further away than that. There's rocks that were in Rome that we knew they took from way further away, like quarrying stone and moving large rocks a long distance is not unusual in the ancient world. I mean, they had the wheel. They had the wheel. They had this stuff. They had... No, it's just, it's more the weight of them to begin with. Like, some of them are so heavy, it's like, they could not, the the thought is they could not have had a structure that could have supported the weight. Actually, they figured it out. Uh, Archaeologists have uh, quarried and moved rocks this size using ancient tools. So we know that ancient people could have done How far do they move them, though? Like, not all the way from Wales, but they didn't have to. It's like, yeah, we can move these fairly easily. Don't they think there were also, like, additional circles or additional rocks there that have gone missing? Yeah. Uh, They've been... It's quarried stone, so they took it and they used it for other buildings. That's like, well, we already have these blocks, so let's go ahead and just recycle. As we discovered in Halloween. Yes. But yeah, so the Stonehenge being built by aliens, but it was also, you know, built by pagans. Very not Christian pagans. So we can kind of otherize the Stonehenge circles a little bit. I feel like some type of magic or ability to communicate with the earth as a pagan is more likely than aliens. Yeah. So yeah, there's not a lot of mystery into this. We also know it's like, it doesn't serve a mysterious purpose. Uh, These stone circles were used as burial mounds and as kind of calendars with a ritual aspect to determine when to plant and when to harvest plant crops. Austin's just here to to kill all the magic in the world. But, you know, this idea that non-Europeans couldn't build these structures is an old, is really is a kind of a colonial idea. Because a big theme of when, you know, countries were justifying colonizing places what, it was that we were bringing them the gift of civilization, hmm. which more than made up for us exploiting them, taking away their land, their property, like, you know, stealing from them, putting them through these inhumane conditions. Well, we were bringing them the gift of civilization so they can do whatever with it we're making their lives better but them having these pyramids or these big stone structures intricate road networks uh mathematics astronomy and in some cases like that surpassed what they had in europe at the time uh kind of flew in the idea that these were an uncivilized people and that we were improving their lives yeah and also like who gets to define what civilized and civilization is like we have those uncontacted tribes who clearly have a civilized and civilization structure mm-hmm. set up. Yeah, if they, they didn't, they would have died out. Like, like the weird idea that like civilization equals pants. It's um, everybody knows that the top tier of civilization you can reach is when you can afford a place that allows you to not wear pants, either because you've got very cool roommates or you don't need roommates. That is the top (laughs) of civilization, is no longer needing to wear pants in your own home. For an example of this idea of the gift of civilization, um, we need to look to uh, a good example is Andrew Jackson, the uh, former U.S. president and genocidal madman. Did he wear pants? He wore pants. Actually, I think he wore breeches and tights. I feel like Thomas Jefferson was the most likely to be caught not wearing pants. Maybe Benjamin Franklin. Oh, absolutely, Benjamin. And maybe JFK. So, uh, JFK used to seduce women in his pool, so he, would, yeah. by default, would not have been wearing pants. So this uh, Andrew Jackson, no genocidal madman, would often mention a lost civilization that left behind the mound structures in the Mississippian Empire. Mississippian? Mississippian. Like in the United States. Yeah, in the United States. This is basically in the like Mississippi River like watershed. Mm-hmm. There are all of these large pyramids built out of mud that were used uh, by this, basically this city and civilization that was larger than London in both population and size. And it was part of a trade network that went from Canada to the Gulf of Mexico and covered like basically everywhere where a river fed in the Mississippi River, it covered all of that. This massive trade network that uh, collapsed due to disease and warfare. And 
so he thought, oh, some lost civilization built this. Not, in fact, the dis the ancestors of the people currently living in this area. He believed that there is no way the native people could have had this civilization. So it's some lost civilization that left. Not these people. That was his belief. So it, and he used that as justification for stealing their land and kicking them out of their country and sending them all to die in Oklahoma. Again, these people still live there. They had just abandoned these sites because the society had changed and their needs shifted away from having these structures. And we can know this and we can safely best guess this based on like archaeology, like uh, in Cahokia in East St. Louis, like just like just east of St. Louis in Illinois. There's this giant archaeological site called Cahokia. What? Okay, guys, you couldn't hear me. I was chuckling because St. Louis is in Illinois and in Missouri. And on our flight back, a, a boomer in front of us threw an absolute tantrum when the pilot mentioned that Kansas City is in both Kansas and Missouri, insisting that it was not in Kansas. And that if he wanted to go to Kansas, he would have to use a parachute. And I'm like, if he says one more thing like or, that, I'm saying he's threatening the pilot. Or, yeah, he's just, yeah. And the he was flying out of St. Louis, which is why I was chuckling. The uh, best thing to do with boomers is just ignore them. Is just smile and nod and let them keep talking and then walk Well, no, away. and then they went up and insulted the pilot to his face oh, as we God. were leaving. And I was like, I will drop kick you. Yeah. Like, Ugh. this guy just flew your ass. Also, uh, it was like, it was storming and that was a smooth fucking landing. Yeah. I love that the flight attendants made them applaud. And when they didn't applaud good enough, they made them <laughs> Don't be that guy. Be cool. It's hard to be an airline uh, employee right now. So this idea that, you know, that the natives, the Native Americans had not made these structures, made it easier to justify exterminating, relocating, forcing children into re-education schools and away from their family and basically destroying their culture. And as a reminder, we still have not we still have not investigated the place in Kansas where we think that they not only re-educated them, but we killed them and buried them. Yeah, similar to what happened in Canada. Yeah, we met, we talked about this a while back, and as an update a few months later, it's quietly been leaves. So yeah. don't forget. Well, so this kind of colonial idea started to die away because it didn't sit well with people. That this idea of that these people are just inherently inferior did it. But in the 1960s, this idea kind of had a resurgence and with the idea that it was aliens that did it with a nonfiction book, nonfiction's in quotes, called Chariots of the Gods? Unsolved the... Mysteries of the Past by Eric Von Dyken. Oh, sorry, Dunnikin. Was the question mark his or yours? His. I think I've heard of this book. Oh, you have. So this book posits that the ancient people could not have made these without alien intervention. Again, only covering non-European sites and Stonehenge. Like, you know, things like the Nazca Lines, which are these big, just kind of like dug pictures in the ground that can only really be seen from the air in this salt flat in South America. The, these were being used to try and signal aliens to get them to come back to help us again. That the fire and brimstone from Sodom and Gomorrah in the Bible was actually a nuclear explosion. Or... It could have been a fire. Or or, or it could just be fictional. Wait, isn't Sodom and Gomorrah the one where they stole the Orpheus story? Yeah. Or that, you know, Ezekiel's visions of angels and that they were just really wheels of fire. Well, what he wasn't seeing were angels. Those were actually alien spaceships in the Bible. Well, you know, aliens, I mean, angels can't not be pretty people with heart. Really, that most of our religions and stories are just interpretations of alien beings that came to help us over time. And our, and over time, our interpretation of what we saw has changed and obscured, obscured their extraterrestrial origins. And so these aliens that came to help us over time just became our folklore and religious beliefs. Okay, I do have a question, though, and I'm not saying this is alien. Um, but <laughs> um, the salt flats thing. Yeah. What would be the point of that if you can't get like if you can't fly above it and see what you're working on and see what it looks like what what would we, be the goal we don't know it could have been to like revere a sky god again it's there's archaeologists looking at this that's like or it could have been art we do lots of shit that makes zero sense unless you look at it from a certain way even if you can't look at it that way it could have just been hey we can do this Let's do this. Yeah, no, I don't think they're trying to signal aliens. No. I was just trying to figure out, you know, why you wouldn't make something you can't. See. Yeah. So it's there's lots of reasons. 
Okay, but this book was largely refuted by the academic community. Like, there were several books published shortly after it refuting what he said point by point. Like, for example, there is an iron pole in India that has never rusted that Donakin said had to have been made by aliens. Well, um, and however, since this book has been published, it has been very thoroughly proven that this is man-made and that the reason it doesn't rust is because it contains an abnormal amount of phosphorus in it, which has created kind of a protective layer that keeps it from rusting through. Tin Man could have used that. And at this point, even Donakin himself admits that the evidence for it being man-made is overwhelming. You know, though, I appreciate that, that he can look at it and go, you know what? I was I was wrong about that one. Well, um, it has not been re- saying that this has been made by aliens has not been removed from subsequent publications of this book. And it is frequently brought up by uh, conspiracy theorists and people who believe that aliens made things. It is still used as a as a proof of aliens by them. It's like I'm not a big fan of removing things from books that are not textbooks. Like, obviously, you should change mm-hmm. textbooks, but putting a note in there going, hey, this is so you can kind of see how things change as we learn more. This is what we've seen now, but here was the original text. Yeah. Well, believe it or not, there's not a lot of scientific rigor in this community. Uh, Austin's th- just trying to kill my dream and denying the fact that I saw an alien when I was 10. Uh, the Sodom and Gomorrah being a nuclear explosion doesn't track either. Like, from our first nuclear tests, when we set those off, it released a ton of radioactive isotopes that do not occur in nature into the air, and it got everywhere. It's so ubiquitous that we can actually test for it in pigments on paintings to see if it's actually a forgery or not. They actually found some forged, allegedly Renaissance paintings that had these radioactive elements in their paint. So it had to have been made after World War II. So we were able to determine that was a fake. And that was the only way they were able to determine this. Um, It's in people's bones. It's in like blood samples. Like it's hard to find any tissue sample of people before this happened. It's in everything. Um, It's even in the metals we use. Like we have to get some very specific metals we use for sensitive equipment from old shipwrecks because metals forged since then have these trace amounts of radioactive elements in them. And we can't use that metal because it set, it, sh- it changes readings. Like archaeologists and scientists are actually kind of in a very intense debate about what to use with lead from various Chinese and Roman sites, whether or not this sh- these should be studied artifacts or if these should be used in scientific equipment for other studies because it doesn't have this extra radiation in it. So you're telling me I shouldn't have licked all of the paintings at the Museum of Modern Art. You know, I'm kind of, I'm really surprised you got away with that. I mean, they were really focused on the guy who was getting obnoxiously close with his camera. So whenever he was there, I would just run up and lick the paintings. Yeah, you should have done that. There's some weird paints that they used. In- I mean... I don't understand the point of these. I hate modern art. (laughs) Um, But. But uh, there were a couple that I liked. There were some of them I'm looking at it going, I would have gotten an F on this in art class in high school if I could do it after. If I could have. If if it's worse than what I could have done after the age of 13, I don't think people should get paid that much for it. But my favorite thing ever was this guy when Starry Night was there. And it is spectacular in person. Like the images don't ca- catch it and he said that he's like wow it's so beautiful in person photographs really don't catch all the details and the and the textures we have to take a photo <laughs> yeah so yeah if there had been a nuclear explosion there would have been i licked starry night she did <laughs> so proud of you so if there had been a nuclear explosion there would be uh, geological and archaeological evidence of this also the art that depicts aliens with their misshapen heads um, those are just stylistic choices. Like you wouldn't look at Picasso or Maddie's favorite Matisse. Go to hell, Matisse. And think, my God, that isn't human anatomy. It must have been aliens. Or the figure playing the guitar is blue in Picasso from Picasso's blue period. Humans aren't blue. He must be an alien. Actually, my favorite painting there was like a deconstructed female body. Like, yeah. And I'm like, I didn't look at it and think you know, alien or, you know, serial killer victim. And there was also a giant vagina in the middle of Times Square. Also did not think that was an alien, <laughs> yeah. but it was funny to watch Austin figure out it was a giant vagina. No, it's like, I was looking at it. I think that's a vagina. I think that's a vagina. Then I saw the clitoris. It's like, yeah, that's a vagina. 
It was made out of acrylic fingernails. Yeah. So yeah, or that that famous hieroglyph that looks like a helicopter. Yeah. Also very debunked because uh, that hi- that helicopter is actually kind of an ancient typo because Egyptians would like to reuse stone slabs. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a result of them reusing stone slabs, and it's the bits of two different people's names that kind of got stuck together. Oh, okay. That's all that is. So, and also the Egyptians wrote everything down. If there had been aliens or a visitor from space, there would be a written record carved in stone about this. Yeah, that is, and like I mentioned this earlier, it's a lot easier to say countries without any kind of written language used aliens than it is to say countries that had a written language used them. But with the Egyptians, they recorded everything. Like we don't, part of the reason we don't say this about the Greeks and the Romans is because they recorded everything in different ways. Yeah. And again, I could go on and on like this for hours because yeah, every real mad about point this. in this book has been refuted in one way or another. But that doesn't matter because people love it. Uh, Chariot of the Gods was actually adopt- adapted into a documentary that was nominated for an Oscar in 1973. It was also turned into a, DV sh- into a TV show that was narrated by Rod Sterling from The Twilight Zone. Uh-huh. And it has been spun off or revisited for decades in dozens of books, TV shows, movies, and thousands of hours of YouTube videos, some of which I have watched. (laughs) Did you just watch the crazy ones or did you watch the ones who were like, oh, please stop being crazy? I started off with some of the like, these are normal. And then I followed the algorithm and like five videos in, I was into Nancy Pelosi's a lizard person or just like. It was it was like I was hitting like the tip of the racist iceberg within five videos. Yeah. And the thing is, again, like there are perfectly rational people out there who think aliens were involved with this or any other number of things. And for me, if there have been aliens who have visited, I think it's most likely a flyby situation. They're like, OK, because if they have the technology to get this far, they have the technology to look from pretty far away. If they've landed, they've probably been like, OK, cool. And then been like, peace out. Um. They're not probing you. I'm sorry. Nobody's that interested in your booty. No. So, yeah, all of these. And because of this, all of these videos that are saying these are aliens, they're kind of drowning out all the actual archaeological discoveries that are happening. Mm -hmm. Like, did you know that in 2014, uh, some French archaeologists pretty much figured out exactly how they quarried and moved the sandstone blocks used in the Great Pyramids? I do know that they figured out it wasn't slave labor. Mm hmm. It wasn't slave labor. It was, they were mostly very happy to be proud to be working on this project and they were paid. Also, they were able to examine tiny holes in these quarries to figure out how they removed blocks and other holes to determine how they moved. Just by looking at these holes that thought, oh, that's what this is. You probably hadn't heard that. Um, like I said, I'd heard the slave labor part. Um, the rest of it, I honest, I never thought it was aliens, so I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You also probably haven't heard about the Egyptian sites that have been vandalized and to an extent desecrated by people trying to prove that, you know, the ancient Egyptians had aliens helping them or that the pharaohs were lizard people. Yeah. Uh, Like these amateur archaeologists uh, deface sites looking for evidence that aliens had made things. They actually chipped some paint off of, they snuck in, they snuck no part of the pyramid you're not supposed to go into. Mm -hmm. And they chipped some paint off to do some testing on it to prove it's aliens or specifically it's aliens who are also from Atlantis. I think it is significantly more likely that that female Egyptologist who had no training was a reincarnation of an Egyptian um, court, court, not courtesan, um, but yeah. mistress. Mm-hmm. Then aliens had anything to do with this. In fact, I kind of fully believe her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were ar- arrested shortly after they posted the video of them committing this felony on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, they tried to apologies, but apologize, but the Egyptian Ministry of Antiquities has not accepted their apology. Dear Lord, don't. Yeah, we don't. This is one of the things I talked about an episode a while ago. You don't have to accept an apology just because someone issues it. At least I think I talked about it. So to kind of summarize it, I'm going to give you my opinions here. First of all. It's likely that intelligent life does exist on other planets. Absolutely. It'd be selfish to think otherwise. But that life probably hasn't come here. And there is zero evidence that they have helped build ancient wonders like Stonehenge or the pyramids. And the YouTube videos I watched about aliens helping humanity are just are just like flat Earth slash there is no way brown people could have made this 
this rock, these rocks square and stack them on top of each other, like rabbit holes. It's just, it's ruined my algorithm. Like I'm getting all these suggestions. Austin now. incognito mode. I, I, it's like, I have definitely done some research for this show in incognito mode. My next line is I got to remember incognito mode. So yeah, if you're going to look this up, do it in, in incognito mode. It'll ruin everything for you. So are you ready for questions? I had something to say and it left my brain. That's fine. Um, yeah, I, I think that if aliens were to pop by, I think they would just be here to kind of check us out and move on. They would have no reason to help us unless we were negatively affecting them in some way. And as far as we know, we are too far away from any other. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. I once got into a fight with somebody who claimed, well, she was a, an astronomer who studied extraterrestrial life for a living. I got into a fight with her. <laughs> you were in elementary school. I was in elementary oh. school and she insisted that aliens, intelligent life on other planets did not exist, period, end of story. Well, my fourth or fifth grade ass raises my hand, and I said, why? And she said, well, we haven't found a planet that's identical to ours. And I said, why would we need a planet that's identical to ours? She goes, well, we're the only planet that can sustain life. And I said, all right, um, what about the creatures we keep finding deeper and deeper in the ocean where they shouldn't be able to survive? And she kind of started to balk, and I'm like, and what about adaptation? What if the planet used to be like ours and, and, they've, and they've adapted over the, over the thousands and thousands of years? I was told to sit down and be quiet by my teacher because the alien lady. And also, I knew not to trust her the moment she put on antennae. Heaven forbid a children's educator should try to. She be wasn't a children's educator. She was an actual scientist talking to a gifted class. Come in and have a discussion. Don't be afraid of a fifth grader. It's, you see that a lot with anyone who's working with children who doesn't work with children. It's just, you got to accept it as what it is. I'm still mad that she couldn't, she just refused mm -hmm. to believe it, that there could be potentially alien life. All right. Are you ready for questions? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, will the fact that this is probably the world's first problematic fanfic be on the test? No. It's Actually, it's probably not. I think the Bible or parts of it. It depends Ooh. on when you think the Bible was written and also when... Like, depending on the translation. Depending on the translation and depending on what books were written before that. Yep. Well, the fact that ancient the TV show Ancient Aliens is just a modern version of uh, some colonial racism beyond the test? No. Well, the fact that the first nonfiction book about this was immediately disproven and even the author admits that he was wrong in parts of it beyond the test? Yes. Well, the fact that they have not changed Chariots of the Gods in subsequent publications, even though they know it's wrong, be on the test? Yes. Well, the fact that the algorithm really does just do its best to throw you down the crazy fucking shit rabbit hole as fast as it can be on the test? No, because that's a lot more complicated than can go and be gone into on any test, especially because Google changes its algorithm hundreds of times a year. Yeah. More, t more times than there are days. So yeah, that is my thing. Your thing. My thing. All right. Well, I'm bringing it back around to the beginning of the episode. Or, I mean, if aliens are listening, they might be able to use this information as well. So I got divorced a few years ago from Austin. We've actually been we've actually been apart for a very long time. What? Why did you ever tell me this? Is that what you had me sign? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's why you've been sleeping in the car. I thought we were just playing a game of chicken and I was winning. <laughs> That I got divorced my first husband several years ago, and when I was with him, there was not a whole lot of travel that happened, and there certainly wasn't a whole lot of independent travel that happened. I got invited to go to a friend from the internet's birthday party. I lived in D.C., she lived uh, outside Detroit, and I said, fuck it, and I got in a car and I drove from D.C. to Detroit overnight, and it was the most freeing experience of my entire life, and... Almost every year since then, I have gone on at least one solo road trip every year. And then I quit my job, and so I didn't do it in 2019. And then COVID happened, so I didn't do it in 2020. And then COVID kept happening, so I didn't do it in 2021. <laughs> Although New York's doing a great job, guys. So hopefully next year I'll go on another solo road trip. But I'm going to share some things that I've learned and some things that I've researched about how to travel effectively and safely especially if you're going alone. And this is advice for both men and women, because no matter what true crime groups will tell you, men are also at risk when they're traveling alone. What? And the majority of people have no interest in you whatsoever. They don't care about you. They don't care about your belongings. They are living their own lives. And some like 
even like a well-known, very famous, amazing celebrity might just blow smoke in your face. Just. Yeah. Like, seriously, guys, the thing, the, I, the if you take nothing else away from what I'm going to talk about, it's don't be afraid. If you walk around, people can tell when you're afraid. They can tell when you're not confident in where you're going and what you're doing. If it's the type of person who wants to target somebody, you become the target. And also your mace or knife or gun is not your confidence. You need to have your own confidence. Walk around, fake that confidence if you have to. Most people aren't out to get you. And if they are, they're looking for the one who looks afraid. Now let's get into it. Here are a few tips whether um, you are... Oh, before I start, I won't lie and say I do all of these things. Unless my mother asks, in which case, yes, I do every single safety thing. <laughs> um, I do zero safety things. I court danger on a daily basis. Much like when I showed my students how to use liquid latex while saying do as I say, not as I do, when they remembered I had a latex allergy. <laughs> God. This is all just best practices, I'm telling you. And let's be honest, nobody's doing everything perfectly all the time. A uh, couple of general tips, and by a couple, I mean 10 uh, tips, whether you're flying or driving. One, and some of these are mine, some of these are things I researched. This is a researched one. Make copies of your driver's license, passport, COVID card, and any other important paperwork you plan to bring. Leave that with someone back home. Also, upload copies to the cloud and just make sure your phone automatically locks whenever it's turned off. That way, in case your, in case your phone is lost or stolen, somebody can't access it. But if your other stuff is lost or stolen, you can access it. So you can get all your information you need easily. And it would help if, you know, you left your ID at the airport and flew into another city. You might yeah. be able to get, get some assistance. Yeah. Say, for instance, you ended up, I don't know, in Minot, North Dakota without your driver's license and your wallet. Two, call your credit and debit card companies to let them know you're traveling. Otherwise, especially if you're traveling to multiple states or countries, they might turn off your card. Uh, if you're going just in one place, they probably, uh, they usually won't. Like, I used my card in Chicago and then in New York because I forgot to call. And nothing happened because we were in reasonable places. But if we had been traveling down the coast like we've done before, they might turn off your card. Um, three, be aware of your surroundings, but don't be obvious about being aware of your surroundings. Four, act like you know what you're doing wherever you are. Don't stop and gaze at things like a goddamn tourist. <laughs> Four, have a go bag. In your go bag, have any net needed medication, wallet, cell phone, portable cell phone, charger, and cash, because you may never know when you end up, might end up at a place that won't accept your cards. I'll talk more about go bags in a second. It is not like a prepper thing. It's a being prepared for a reasonable outcome thing. Uh, six, let someone know where you are and update them from time to time. This does not mean you have to grant someone access to your GPS and your phone. You don't have to let someone track you. I actually hate it. People are like, oh, yeah, I have my phone tracking on with my spouse because it's safer. I'm like, is it, though? Because that's actually a really common abuse. I don't want your phone tracking on. I prefer a mystery. Yeah. Um, and with Austin, when I travel alone, I whenever I stop when I'm driving, I text him and be like, I am currently in this at this rest stop here just to let him know like where I am. And, and then I get onto Google Maps and look on Street View and try and find her. But apparently that's not live and it's all lies. I usually take a selfie. Um, keep important phone numbers on a piece of paper separate from your phone and wallet, um, like the person who has all your shit, a couple of other people, your credit card and cell phone company's numbers, and anyone else you think you might need. Maybe put this paper in your glove box or the center, pa central center panel thing in your car so you can easily access it. Again, in case you lose your phone or your wallet. And again, notice I'm saying lose more than stolen because that is more likely. Uh Eight, using third-party sites to book your flights and hotels is actually usually fine, but it can make things harder to get refunds. I hate using credit cards, but using a credit card for these is actually a good idea, so you can contest it if something comes up. Speaking of, using your credit cards your entire trip is not a bad idea. Just be sure that you don't spend more than you can pay off before the end of the month, because if you pay off your bill in full before the end of, the, before the end of your term, you don't pay the interest. Interest compounds daily. It's a fucking nightmare. Um, again, this is so you can contest things and so you can get points. And then 10, if you are going to be gone for a very long amount of time, like months, grant someone financial power of attorney for while you're gone. Someone you trust. Yes. This person, if you, you can choose what financial power of attorney they get um, and when it kicks in. And it does things like 
let them pay your gas bill for you and call and talk to these companies like or if you have a business that lets them handle stuff like that this is not letting them spend all your money is letting them handle financial issues if while you're out of town and not physically able something nobody ever thinks yeah all right let's start with road trips first things first make sure your car can handle the road trip (laughs) if your car can't handle it but you can afford to rent a car rent a car remember Car rental reservations are things you're crossing your fingers and hoping for, not guarantees, especially right now. So get there as early as you can to pick up your car. But you're better off, um, unless you're meticulous about your car maintenance and like you actually get your annual tune-ups and it's been pretty recent, get a tune-up on your car. This won't necessarily include anything outside your engine, uh, so you also need to check your tires, get your tires rotated, which should include them filling up the air, telling if you need new tires. But you should also learn how to fill up the air in your own goddamn tires and check for baldness, which you can do using a penny. You take it, you turn it upside down, you put Lincoln's head in one of the treads. If you can see the top of his head, your tire is too bald and you need to replace the tire. See, I've always done up to it by walking up to people on the street and saying, excuse me, I will give you this shiny penny if you will tell me if my tires are bald or not. And it's worked every time. That's That's, weird. That's the system I use. That's weird. You don't do that? No, that's weird. Okay. So I'm saying this is someone who has blown four or five tires. And my tires were not bald for any of these. Blowing on a tire is fucking terrifying. If you start hearing helicopter sounds, your tire is blown. Or there's a helicopter. Um, Or both. It's always been one time I ran over a bed frame that was in the middle of the highway. One time I ran over a box of nails. Uh, One time it was just way too hot. This is something people don't think about. If you've been driving a long ass time and the road is very, very very hot it can eventually blow your tires um so i've blown several tires it's really scary take good care of your tires uh and no matter what no matter how perfect your car is no matter where you're driving get triple a you will eventually need them now that you know that your car can take the trip decide where you want to go there are two ways that i do this one is to pick a place see how far it is according to my gps to figure out if i can make it there back and have enough time to visit in the time that i have the other is figuring out how far i have how much time i have Uh, Like if I only have a weekend, get out a physical map made of paper and getting out a compass. And I mean the math kind with a tiny pencil that you spin in a circle. And I figure out, okay, I can go about this far. And then I looked up like how many miles can I go if I want to drive this long? Put the little sharp part on where I live and then draw a circle. And that tells me how far I can drive in that amount of time. I know, right? If so, that's how I figure out where I'm going. If you've never driven longer than three or four hours, choose something that's no more than an hour or two farther for your first road trip. Seriously, don't overdo it. Like me personally, I can look at it and go 12 hours. Yeah, I can do that in one day. Most people can't. And that's okay. Most people are not nutballs like I am. I have looked at 16 hours and gone, yeah, I can do that. And then everybody looks at me like, you're a fucking idiot. You're, you're, I'm, I'm looking at it right now like you're a fucking idiot. I don't sleep. It doesn't matter. Uh, don't push it is the big thing. Like, and if you think I can make this 12 hours in one day and then you realize partway through the drive that you can't, it's okay. Stop. Whether that's to stop and get a take a break or to get a night's sleep, whatever. Um, prepping your car is super important. Travel is expensive and chances are you want to eat the local food where you're going. So bring food with you. Verify ahead of time whether or not your hotel has a fridge. If they don't, don't bring any refrigerated food. Ice packs are better than ice because you don't have to find a place to dump your melted ice. And also if you end up on a train, there is no chance of the cooler not falling over and dumping ice water on your head and making you cry. Not that that happened to me when I was seven and it has nothing to do with why I hate the Grand Canyon. Also, if you get stuck somewhere, you want to have food and water. I usually bring Gatorade with me every time. When you're packing your car, put anything you don't plan to use at rest stops other than your cooler in your trunk. You don't want it to be visible. So your suitcase should be in your trunk. This is where your go bag is, though. Um, In case you end up in a situation where you need to walk or run, you have your go bag with you with the important stuff that you know you're going to need, your wallet and your medicine and stuff. Um... You do the same basic stuff in your go bag for carry-ons, except with this, you have more liquids. Um, This should be a fanny pack or a body cross bag or maybe a backpack. Something that you can easily walk or run with that people can't grab easily. Now, I admit, a lot of people are afraid of rest stops. That makes zero sense. There is not this legion of criminals sitting at rest stops. Usually it's families whose kids have been going, I have to pee, I have to pee, I have to pee, I have to pee, I have to pee. You're more likely to run into a child than you are to a criminal. 
stop at a rest stop. You yeah. actually have to stop every two to three hours to avoid blood clots, especially if you smoke or are on birth control or have another medication. Stop, stretch your legs, pee every time because you don't know when you're going to find a bathroom again. The worst thing I've ever had to happen to me at a rest stop is that they were out of toilet paper. <gasps> Sometimes they're out of soap. You should bring hand sanitizer. But yeah, rest stops, stop at them. Don't push it. Blood clots are more likely than you being kidnapped at a, red, at a, at a rest stop. And then I want to make a couple of last important points about road tripping. One, print out the directions like it's 2003. GPS can fail. Paper only fails the environment. Two, print out a copy of your car insurance, even if you have it on an app. Not all states accept the app. They probably won't ding you for that. That's not legal advice if your state accepts it, but it's best to have it on paper anyway. And three, follow all road laws unless you have no choice, like the flow of traffic is going way faster than the speed limit. It actually has been proven in several studies that they are more likely to stop out of state licenses because they know that you are less likely to come contest the ticket. So go within a couple miles of the speed limit. Don't follow too closely. Don't drive like a fucking idiot because you don't want them to notice you. However, again, not legal advice. If you are stopped for no reason that you can discern other than you having out-of-state tags, that can be a violation of your unreasonable search and seizure rights, and you can get a lawyer and potentially win. Not legal advice. Don't be an idiot. Now, I'm going to keep my part in airline travel a little shorter because it's straightforward and you can, like, Google anything. Um... Basically, unless you're going on a super long trip or have no collecting flights, don't check a bag if you can avoid it. This is a safety thing as well because, uh, you know, everything you own is in there. Make sure you have the go bag. That is your personal item or your carry-on. Um, ideally, it is your thing that goes under the seat in front of you so you can grab it so that if there is an emergency landing, they tell you don't bring anything. But if you're like, I have medication, I need to live in here, they're not going to stop you, probably. Yeah, because I, the one time I've actually had something like stolen from me. It was in a checked bag that got searched by TSA and they stole my digital camera. So nice. And a wrapped present for my stepsister. I forgot you had a stepsister. <laughs> is is that why she doesn't talk to you now? Because that wrapped present never came? Entirely that reason. Never <laughs> forgiven me. Um, now, the over-the-shoulder bag or fanny pack, that's what you should use because it's harder to grab. That sounds paranoid. And I, as you know, I'm not particularly worried about this kind of stuff. Um, but it is just easier to carry and less easy to grab. Uh, if someone does try to rob you, just give them your shit. Don't like, it's just stuff. Although I did tell Austin, like if somebody tried to mug us in New York, I'd be like, okay, you can have everything. Just can I have my COVID card? And I actually feel like most muggers would be like, Okay. <laughs> I do know people who have been mugged and they have actually had the muggers be very reasonable. <laughs> Every time they've been like, all right, man, I'll give you this, but can like, can I have my car keys? And usually they're like, yeah, I'm not here to commit grand theft auto. I'm here to steal your wallet. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying do that. Absolutely not saying give them your shit. You can, you can figure out the rest later, but no one's Chances are no one's going to rob you. Now let's talk about traveling to specific places. Here's the key. No matter where you go, whether it's a small town or a big city, act like you know what you're doing and where you're going at all times. Even if you have no idea where you are, you can always stop into a pharmacy or a Starbucks or even lean on a wall to text someone to figure out what the fuck is happening. If you, like I said earlier, if you look like the lost little lamb, you become the target. So always look like you know what you're doing. If you do want to ask someone for help, that's fine. Um, I'd actually recommend going into a hotel for that if you can, because they are likely to know the entire area really well. But any place that has Wi-Fi is also a good idea. So you can look it up on your phone. Um, a library would be really willing to help you in most cases. And if you're driving, gas stations can at least get you to the main highway again. Here's another important thing that people don't think to do. Find out how the locals act and dress. And this does not just apply to traveling internationally. This is also traveling within the States. You do not want to stand out. You want to look like you live there. One of the things we noticed when we were walking around in New York is that what we see on TV is actually pretty accurate. It's business people walking around in business attire doing business things. Walking fast. They had briefcases and they were all looking very serious and about to ruin the economy. Yeah, and they were wearing a lot of black and dark blue and nice clothes and like it was it was for real. And even people who were wearing jeans 
They were wearing nice dark colored jeans and they were wearing nice tops and um, a lot of sneakers, which you would expect, but they were nice sneakers. New York City, if you rocking around looking like a schlub, they're either going to assume you're homeless or you're a tourist. And whatever you do, do not wear a Hawaiian shirt. I mean, that's just good life advice. Unless you're in Hawaii, then I don't know if you should wear one or not. (laughs) Uh, You can Google how to dress in New York City. It'll probably automatically fill in a month, which is fine. I clicked on the first link for how to dress in New York City, and it was called Tortuga Backpacks and actually had really good advice. So read through a few sites, figure out what you're supposed to wear. Wear those things. Okay, actually, I felt really like fashionable for the first time in my life because it's like, oh my gosh, everyone's dressed like that. Mm-hmm. Um, for New York, the suggestions boil down to dress nicely, largely in dark clothing, wear comfortable shoes, and carry a backpack or similar so you can carry your less comfortable shoes before you go into a place. Um, I included that to show you how different it can be from other places. Around here, if you're wearing like a really nice suit and walking places, people are going to think something shady is happening. And if you're carrying a backpack around here, people are going to think you're either going door to door trying to help people find Jesus or you're homeless. So it's very different, even if you think it's not. Um, Also, living in Kansas like we do, it is more or less expected that you will smile and nod at every person you pass. You make small talk with cashiers and waiters, even if the restaurant is busy. It's okay to not automatically know what you want in a restaurant. Not every place is like this. Other than being polite. You should always be polite. Um, And even in some countries, it's weird to even wish somebody a nice day when you're leaving. Saying thank you is usually fine, but saying like, have a great day. They're like, why are you saying insincere things to me? You don't care how my day is. (laughs) Fucking American tourists. Um, So look up how to behave when you're in a certain location. Also look uh, look up common ways scam artists will talk to you and make sure you don't accidentally do those things yourself. Like if you are lost and want to ask somebody for help, there is a specific way to ask for it as opposed to, you know, there's a scam that's basically, hey, can I ask you a question? Hey, can I ask you a question? They don't want to, they want your money. Um, but if you stand far enough away and say, hey, which way is Sixth Avenue? Chances are somebody will point for you. Yeah. Um, if you are traveling, uh, oh, if you know somebody in any of the places you're going to travel, just ask them what to do. And they might be like, we don't fucking know. It's like, look, like, send, like, what, like, sh- send me some pictures from around your city and things like that. Um, if you're traveling anywhere, tip in the U.S. Tip, 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 tip. I know other countries are more evolved than we are, but you still need to tip your wait staff. You need to tip your maids at the hotel. Nobody told me this until I was an adult. Just leave a couple of bucks on a table. They'll take it. Tip the bellhop at the hotel. Tip anybody who at any point has helped you and is not working behind a desk in most cases. This doesn't mean necessarily that you'll get better service, but it does show that you appreciate them. And it does mean that they might spend an extra 30 seconds on your room getting things cleaned or at least you've made somebody's day a little better. And that's kind of important. Um, If you don't have cash on you, get cash later, go to the front desk and say, hey, a bellhop helped me at this time. And if you caught his name, say it. Um, I'm in this room number. I didn't have cash to tip. Can you make sure it gets to them? That way they know you're not a dick. So (laughs) do that later if you have to. They'll pass it on. Now let's talk about where you're staying. Hotels, motels. I'm not talking about staying with a friend because that's a whole thing on its own. Picking a hotel or motel depends on what you plan to do on that trip. Is this a relaxing getaway from real life where you plan to just sit in your bed, watch pay-per-view and eat pizza? That's great. Get a nice hotel. If you are planning on a place to sleep and shower, get a motel. Seriously, a $60 a night motel that you plan on staying in for eight hours a day is better than spending 400 bucks a night on a place you plan to spend eight hours a day. Doesn't matter how bad the water pressure is or how bad the beds are, as long as it's safe and has and doesn't have bed bugs, you're good. So do look those things up. And it's this doesn't have it right now, but man, a nice continental breakfast really makes a vacation for me. Oh my god, I me. love continental breakfasts. I it's oh my god, especially the places that have the waffle maker. Yeah, yeah. Um, make sure anything nice that you bring with you is put away pretty well. A uh, 99 point repeating 9% of hotel staff is not there to steal from you, but I have had some jewelry stolen that was actually in a bag, but the bag was open and they probably moved the bag off the bed to make it and it fell out, which does not make it my fault. Don't, it's not cool for someone to steal your shit, but do make sure it's put away in a place where they would have to like literally go into your shit to do it. Um, I won't go into all the intricacies of traveling. Oh, also, it doesn't matter. This is a big thing. Nobody wants to break into your room. 
You're not that important. Now, I'm not saying it's never happened, obviously, because it has. I've watched the forensic files on it. But 99 point, repeating 9% of the time, you're not interesting enough. Nobody wants to hurt you or steal from you. That doesn't mean you shouldn't use the deadbolt or the little like slide lock thing. Use both of those. That's a good idea just in general. But there is a meme going around right now saying to make sure because they it is really easy to get through those things, especially the slide lock. Um, open your bathroom door if it's right by it so that it blocks the door or open your if you've got one of those fold out um, ironing boards, put that there or put the ironing board under the door handle or a chair under the door handle. Blah, 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 blah. Do not do that. That is stupid. You are way more likely to have a medical emergency and you are making it much harder for emergency services to come in and help you. They'll get in, but the amount of time you're making them take to get in is the difference between life and death. Also, if there's a fire or something, you're taking longer to get out now. So weigh the odds. Yeah. Nobody wants, like, again, not legal advice, not like be safe, be aware, but don't be an idiot because a true crime group told you to be an idiot. Yeah. Um, if you're running super late to your hotel or motel, like their check-in time is three, you're not getting in until nine, call them and let them know because they can give your room away. I won't go into all the shit that has to come with uh, traveling with a pet, but I will say spring for the pet-friendly hotels because the cleaning fee will be much higher than the per day fee of having your pet there. And this is kind of important and very cool. Most hotels will let you drop off luggage early or leave it there for a few hours after checkout so that you can go explore the city before or after your checkout and check-in um, without having to lug bags around. The last thing you want to do is lug bag or bags around unless you're going directly to or from some place for, uh, from which you're traveling because nothing screams, I don't belong here, like luggage. And that is how to travel safety safely. Yeah. Or especially if you're following around, I don't know, say for instance, Maddie, who moves like a bat out of hell and you're trying to haul a bag through a subway in Queens. You just got to get your city legs, man. We got to go back to a city. You weren't the one carrying the bag, man. You have to be holding the bag. You think I haven't done that with the bag? The hardest part is getting the bag through the turnstile. Yeah. Uh, which you can either lift it over or you can slide it under, depending on if you've got somebody on the other side. Um, yeah. So that's the very basics of traveling safely when you're traveling solo the big thing is just don't be an idiot don't act scared and don't carry a gun like i know people yeah. will tell you to carry a gun state by state laws are so different and you are much more likely to injure yourself someone else or be arrested for having that gun yeah. than needing to use it's... it for protection carry some mace if you really have to yeah it's or banaka don't don't carry a gun for self-defense it's the, it's the worst option it's like a taser mace thousand times better hairspray right in the eyeballs and also don't forget about solar plexus instep nose groin and all of the other important things that you learned from Miss Congeniality. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like how to glide you ready for some questions i am ready for questions all right will the fact that the number one thing that you should do is look like you know what you're doing all the time be on the test i yeah that'll be on the test that should be on the test for everything it's like just act like you know what you're doing that's all your boss wants from you and that's what this podcast is. Yeah. Acting like we know what we're doing and some weird fan fiction. Yes. <laughs> um, will the fact that you should always research how to best blend in both in terms of clothing and behavior be on the test? Yeah, that should be on the test. Again, in real life. Just mm -hmm. everything. Oh, and a big one there is don't block off the sidewalk to take photos. People will walk in front of you and it is not their fault. It is yours. See, um, I was I was much more polite. I was trying to go around people who are very clearly taking pictures. You were not. You were just flying through. Like, oh god, that one poor girl in the park. She was like setting up, like doing like a TikTok video, and you just like I walked around and you just went right through in front of her. I honestly didn't notice her, but she, she cracked up. She's like, oh god. I honestly did not notice her. But the thing is, um, when I was in Boston, I looked at it as I pay the taxes here. You do not get to block <laughs> off my sidewalk. Um. Will the fact that you should keep things, and I'm not talking about like when you're just out for the day, your medications can stay safely in your hotel room, but will the, will the go bag be on the test? Yeah. It really on. should be. Yeah. It's not something people talk about a lot. And <clears throat> sorry, guys. Will the fact that just because a true crime group says it, it doesn't mean it's a good idea be on the test? That should be on the test. But if it is on the test, someone's going to get really hurt by it and report it and make a big fuss about it. I'm in a lot of true crime groups. I'm super into true crime. They give terrible advice and they tell you to be scared all the time. And the worst thing you can do is be scared all the time. That's no way to live to begin with. And also, 
I'm 35 years old. I have been in some dangerous, dangerous, dangerous situations. And with the exception of one, it was always someone I knew. Be afraid of the people you know, not the random man in the alley. That's why I sleep with a knife under my pillow. But see, he still doesn't use a gun. And we, and guys, we have guns. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, I mean him. I kind, I know where they are. Um, and he's been trained in gun use since he was a kid, which is why he knows that it's, uh. It's no. just the worst idea. It's, yeah. It's, it's so bad. There's a million better self-defense options if that's what you're wanting the to do. The best self-defense option is running away. <laughs> yeah. It's running away or just paying attention to surroundings and not getting to that situation in the first place. Because you can avoid most of them. Yeah. In most situations, just look like you know what you're doing. All right. uh, Where can people find us? They can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash on the test pod on Instagram at on the test pod on Twitter at on the test pod and our website on the test pod.com. We're also on the TikToks at on the test pod. We have nothing on there yet, but we might add something someday when we're not feeling like we're ancient. I we took some photos in New York and you can see how massively gray the front of my hair. When my hair is long, it looks like Rogue from X-Men because I really do just have the one. But when my hair is short like it is right now, it just looks gray. And also, my God, the fine lines. 2021 hit us hard, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind the gray. The fine lines are hurting my soul a little bit. But a couple of the days were so beautiful that in our photos, we looked 34. Yeah. And I mean, early 2020, 34. Actually, you were, though you were 34. Then. I was. All right. Um, well, we actually both have a lot of shit to do tonight. We do. Yeah. Apparently um, going on vacation doesn't mean everything stops. So yeah, that's what they tell me. Um, and also the cats are probably freaking out right now because they can't see us and they actually legitimately missed us. I know. It was so cute. Except for Gigi, who took two days to realize we were here. Well, a day and a half. Yeah. Um, so I guess on that note, we are glad to be back and we'll see you next week. Class Class dismissed. dismissed.